Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel, and welcome to episode, where are we at, 458, 459 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to be talking about Blue Beetle and how it already is seeing a catastrophic drop at the box office. This is episode 459 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast. So we're going to talk about the box office numbers from this past weekend, but also how the Sunday to Monday drop is not looking good and how this film is essentially a guaranteed flop. And I'll also explain a little bit. Apparently some people don't like that I'm calling it a flop already when, and I quote, it was originally meant for HBO Max anyway, so how can it be a flop? Well, don't worry. We'll, we'll dive into that and we will explain uh, what exactly is going on uh, with with that. So we'll talk about that. And of course, other box office news as well. I'm sure there's going to be tons of things that y'all have to talk about as well. And uh, anyway, before going further, please make sure you smash that like button, like the five button, I see you smash the rumble button as well. And we'll go ahead and get started tonight. And so, yeah, it's been a crazy last few days. As you all know, uh, Baby Thor got sick on Saturday. Luckily, he was only sick for a few hours and then pretty much is back to his old self. Uh, unfortunately, though, everyone else in the house then got this 24-hour bug, and so, uh, therefore, because of that very reason, I got sick, and it's the sickest that I've probably been in a in a very long time as far as just general uh, symptoms are concerned. I'll just leave it at that, and it was not fun, but both my wife and I had it, and obviously, with my wife being now roughly 34 weeks along, it was a little bit of a scare uh, luckily, we're, we're, we were able to get her into uh, uh, go to the hospital. Don't worry, nothing crazy. Just to make sure that she was able to get some fluids because she wasn't able to keep anything down, including water. Uh, baby's fine. She's fine. Everyone's home and happy. She was back at work today, but it was definitely a bit of a, a small scare in, in that regard. But then, of course, uh, my wife's mom, who was in this weekend, she, of course, got sick towards the tail end of us getting sick. So, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy day. I actually had to stay home uh, from work yesterday, which is something I very rarely ever do. I hate missing, and um, I, but but obviously I, I needed to because of just where I was in my general symptoms. And if you know anything about these 24-hour bugs, as we learned in our own household, it is very, very highly contagious uh, by the fact that every single one of us who was in contact with baby Thor who had it, all also got it as well, but feeling much better now. Everything's great. Was back at work today, which was great. And uh, anyway, get you know back back at work tonight. Back at work and ready to talk about some movie stuff. I did want, of course, uh, launch. I, I'm going to don't don't get used to this trend, but uh, there is going to be a giveaway tonight, and you can look at the chat if you want more details about that. It'll be the first time and only time that 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 I mention it. Um, but for those wondering what it actually is, it's it's this bad boy here on YouTube. It is this bad boy, Rocky Six film collection. And then also, if you are watching on Rumble or on Odyssey, since y'all are usually left out, if you want a chance to win Ran on 4K Steelbook, follow the instructions over there. Please don't jump over to those chats, by the way, too, if you're like, oh, I want to have another chance to get... If, you, if you're entering in multiple places, I'll see you. I'll see you do it. And it's not okay. Uh, low watermark, though, started things off hot with a 50, 50 dollar super chat says dot 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 hey who is dot <laughs> nice oh very very nice 
<laughs> Low Watermark, thank you very much for always being so supportive of the channel, dude. Thank you for dropping that 50. That 50 super chat. I always love, especially out of everyone that does that. I know like Beardo is like the most well-known for, for, for doing the whole 50 thing. But I think Chris Gore is my favorite. Watching him when we were in Dallas together and sitting next to him on the couch for Friday Night Tights, every time he did it, without fail... He always just looks so confused after. He would look at me and be like, yeah, I think that's how I do it, right? I think that's how I do it. Every single time. It was so funny. It got to be one of my favorite things of, of the evening. So, low watermark. Thank you very much for that very, very generous donation. Uh, we got Keely Chow in the chat. What is going on, Keely? Appreciate you being here. We got Kimberly G in the chat. Howdy, all. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. Thank you very much for, for being here. Uh, Keely then also said, how are you, Thor and Freya doing? Hopefully that explained it. Also, is Melanie Mack going to visit you and your family at your home and office, the Geeks and Gamers Tennessee office? <laughs> there is no Geeks and Gamers Tennessee office. I am the sole resident of this great state as a part of the Geeks and Gamers team, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, and uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure isn't Melanie Mack Texas-based. And so it makes more sense for her, of course, to visit the actual Geeks and Gamers house. Uh, but no. Not, not not that I'm aware of. That, that'd be a very, very odd conversation, to say the least. Uh, let's see. Orange Chat, he is the King Mod on the channel. What is going on, Orange Chat? Appreciate you always being here. Laying down the law. Follow those instructions. If you have a comment or question, just put at Odin, the very big comment, at Odin. Let's know that you're trying to get my attention. And again, you guys are always great, wonderful, and beautiful people. Great Wood says, Hail, National Cinema Day is this Sunday. I'm going to see either Gran Turismo or Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 for the third time. Nice, yeah, I know that that is going around $4 tickets at participating theaters for every single screening, no matter the format. So definitely a good day to go to the theater. Of course, make sure that your theater is participating. I assume most of them are probably going to be entering in if I had to take a guess. Um, and... Uh, so, yeah, I, I would I would definitely think that it's a good opportunity to go. If you've not seen Dead Reckoning Part 1, I don't know where you've been living under a rock. It's a fantastic film. It's not actually in a lot of theaters now anymore. It's been dropped from most of them. And uh, I'm actually excited for Gran Turismo. I've got my ticket to see it on Thursday uh, in the Big D format. So I am definitely excited. Definitely, definitely excited for that. All right. Let's see. Miss Minnesota fan. How about a hockey player? What is going on? Hail to you. Gary Banjo Sandwith Worthington says, Hello at Midnight UK to you and all you chatters. Well, thank you for joining so late over there in the UK. GMonkey76 is in the chat. Bruce in the chat saying, Hail. Hail to all. Thank you for using the, the funny little fingers. JS Pena, ahoy. I hope your son is doing well. He is doing much better. He has been at school both these past couple days, so he's great. Currently, I have him up on the monitor, obviously, because... After the last thing that happened this weekend, it's always just a reminder that, yeah, you know, it's it's good to have the monitor in there just to make sure everything is okay. And uh, sure enough, he's he, he's still in bed. So um, not necessarily that he's sleeping. He takes a while sometimes to fall asleep. But uh, GBA76, thank you. The movie arrived safe over the weekend. Hope you and the family are doing well. Hey, no problem, man. No problem. Yeah, for anyone who won the nefarious giveaways, uh, both on the uh, Patreon exclusive side, the Patreon subscribe star local side that was hosted over on the Discord those should, those should be shipped out probably today. I, I know I, I, I've printed the uh, shipping labels. I just need to actually get them in the mail. And uh, I think I have one extra copy, and I'll probably do a giveaway on Twitter or something like that. Um, but anyway, Facebook channel, Katie Lee, what's going on? Welcome back. Appreciate you being here. Fear FEMA in the chat. JS Payne to say, also about to see Strays. Hoping it's a fun time. I mean, it seems like the kind of movie that probably will make some people happy. It definitely seems like 
a a film that will probably be funny to certain people. I don't know. For me, the Radar R movie with animals talking just it doesn't really sound that compelling these days. It really doesn't. So, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Uh, let's see. Jeremy Zakowski tagged to say, uh, there's some Blue Beetle fans out there relying both on Japan and Australia to help their DC film break even. I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of insane to me that there are people out there that think that a break even for this movie is even possible at this point. I mean, how many times, especially with Japan, how many times has that country been brought up as the savior of a film? So many times this past year. Well, just wait until it gets released in Japan. You're going to see something that you've never seen before. I think the biggest noise for Japan as being this this huge moneymaker was actually for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And granted, $100 million in that country, right? You know, obviously the exchange rates and such. You know, $100 million worth in, in Japan. That's very impressive, right? $100 million in Japan, very impressive. It, it's not the biggest thing that's ever happened in Japan, though. And again, what was the big argument? Oh, it's home field advantage. It's home turf. It, it's a huge icon over there. And all of those things can be true. And yet, it didn't make the kind of money that a lot of animes can make over there. It's not the biggest film of all time over there. It's really up there with a lot of the other well-performing Western animated films. Kind of like what I was saying all along was was likely going to end up happening. But again, I digress. Japan being the savior for all movies, though, just does not make any sense whatsoever. I think that it's because of the fact that for some movies at some periods in time, at some points in history, because it's shown up for them, I think that one, yes, we could definitely point to that. And you all know, I I do like and appreciate those kinds of tidbits of, of box office history. But at the same time, we recognize that it's a very different era of movie going right now, not just in the United States, but all across the world. Right, all across the world, we see that there are a lot of changes that are going on. So, But speaking of Blue Beetle, since it was brought up, let's actually talk about that, because that is, of course, the main story of the night, and then we will, we will dive back into that chat. So this is the latest of the box office for Blue Beetle. Right now, it's sitting at a whopping, a whopping $45.8 million. Now, just as a bit of a reminder, the film reportedly cost a $120 million, a cool $120 million, the director, because I already can hear in the comment section after the fact, you typically don't see too many of them in the live chat, but after the fact, I'm sure the comments will come out saying, well, the director said it only cost $100 million. Okay, that's what the director said, and we've heard directors say things before that ended up not being true. <laughs> I mean, so you know, take that with a gigantic grain of salt. Regardless, though, at a 100 to $120 million budget, you're looking at a film that needs to make somewhere between $250 million and $350 million in order for it to actually have any chance of breaking even. At the kind of start that it's had so far, remembering that The Flash this year opened to around $55 million domestic and Shazam opened to around $30 million domestic, this is a terrible start. Add to that the international starts for both of those movies, both The Flash and also Shazam 2, Blue Beetle's not even on the same, same wavelength. And I could already hear the arguments, yeah, but Blue Beetle's an unknown entity and blah, 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 blah. That doesn't really mean a whole lot of much. If the movie's not good, if the movie's not driving traffic to the theater, if we're not seeing tremendous growth from day to day to day, or at the very least, very strong holds from day to day to day, that's not going to make one ounce of difference. And in fact, we're already seeing 
this movie is falling off of a cliff. You want the evidence? I'll give it to you. Look at the Monday, or rather the Sunday to Monday drop-off. That's right, you're looking at that correctly. Barbie has already retaken the number one spot. Barbie was knocked from the number one spot for one weekend, right? For one weekend, barely, by the way, barely lost to Barbie. In fact, let me see. This is the daily numbers here. Let's see what the Sunday numbers were. Blue Beetle beat Barbie by a couple hundred thousand dollars. On Saturday, Blue Beetle beat Barbie by a couple hundred thousand dollars. And on Friday, again, that includes the Thursday numbers there. So ultimately, let's see, Thursday for Barbie was around 3.8. So you're still looking at almost every day the film beating out Barbie by just a couple hundred thousand. Really not a whole lot, right? So barely edging it out. Well, guess what? One day after the weekend, most of the people who are going to see it probably already have seen it. And go ahead and look at that number right there, right? Look at that number right there. Steven... You posted the same comment twice, man. I'm going to give you a warning there because you post a lot of things sometimes. And so if you're going to double up on things, I'm sure it was a mistake, but calm down, brother. Anyway, but Blue Beetle is already dropping to the number two spot. And look at that drop percentage from Sunday to Monday, 66%. So the film has already dropped off a cliff. Remember, though, as I've always said, just because you have a massive Sunday to Monday drop does not ultimately mean that your film is going to be a failure. It is, however, a better indication when your opening weekend is below expectations, the expectations going into the weekend, no matter what Tony at Deadline wants to try to tell you. The experts, so-called, were saying it's going to make 28 to $32 million. It made 25. In fact, even when they updated the numbers, when the actuals came out, it was underneath what the actuals had actually said. So let's just say Blue Beetle is not in a very strong position. So it's already dropped 66%. It's going to be interesting to see where the film drops by the end of next weekend. It already looks as if Blue Beetle is going to end up losing to Barbie probably every day, if not most days, if not most days this week. We're also probably going to see Oppenheimer continue to hold strong. We also have films like Gran Turismo set to come out. Not that that film's going to be a massive film. I'm excited for it. I know that Critical Drinkers Review probably has helped elevate it to a position that other people otherwise would not have heard of before or you know would not have had interest had it not been for him. He obviously has a much wider reach than most most people, I would say, especially for people who talk about movies on the internet. But I don't think necessarily that the Gran Torino is going to be this this huge film, right? This huge hit. But is it going to be enough to be Blue Beetle second weekend? I think absolutely. It would not surprise me whatsoever. I think Blue Beetle, then what you have a best case scenario of it dropping maybe to the number three spot, maybe the number four spot. And then you're talking about a movie that's going to barely be able to crack $100 million. And then you're talking about, okay, all time, once it eventually releases in Japan, right? Because that's going to be somehow the savior for it. Okay, Let, let's be very generous and say what you're looking at, a you know, end, end result of 150 to 200 billion worldwide based on the numbers that we're seeing right now. And again, that's being incredibly generous. I mean, just keep some things in mind here, right? We have, we have our lovely chart over here. We love charting. $45 million total box office, right? Opening weekend um, numbers here, as you can see, was around 43.4 is what the original projection was, right? So when you look at these numbers, right? When you look at these numbers coming in, and then you compare that, right? 43, $45 million, right? 43, actually, no, it would be because, again, it's now at around 45 million, uh, world, worldwide numbers here, right? 
So 43.4 million worldwide opening weekend for Blue Beetle. And again, we did this in the box office breakdown from this past weekend, but just to really get this case going home, The Flash made 130 worldwide. The Flash made $130 million worldwide in its global opening weekend. You go back to Shazam 2, that film made 65.5 million global. So we're talking about the fact it's 20 million behind where Shazam 2's global opening weekend was. We are also looking at a scenario where the film at only $45 million is around $152 million in the red. The movie is not in a healthy state. As also a form of comparison, we talked about this last couple of streams also, opening weekend ticket sales are abysmal. It only edges out one film, and that was Wonder Woman 84. And that's not a very fair comparison, seeing what everything Wonder Woman 84 actually had to deal with. The one thing they do share in common is that they're both bad movies. I would argue Wonder Woman 84 is a worse movie, but... We're talking here about degrees of awful, and so it really isn't uh, saying much to to put that out there as 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 a bit of a comparison in that way. But what we can say, this movie has not made a lot of money. This film is already dropping off of a cliff, already dropping to the number two spot against, again, look at the number of days. 32 days out from its initial release, Barbie is still number one. Four days, Blue Beetle, new Warner Brothers film. Now, the one thing that people have been bringing up is, well, Blue Beetle, it was originally meant for HBO Max, so how can you say this is a loss because had they put it out on Max, it wouldn't be making anything. The problem with that statement is this. If you actually look at the data, if you actually look at the history of the production, and this is something that I double-checked myself earlier today, what you'll find is that back in 2021, the initial idea was to create a series of mid-budget movies for HBO Max. One of them was Blue Beetle. When the director, though, came forward to Warner Brothers with his ideas, they liked it so much that they decided before filming that they would instead have it as a theatrical release. So before the film actually started principal photography, the movie had already decided, again, the movie had already decided, the studio rather, had already decided to keep the movie and to allow the film to be a theatrical release. That means that when they budgeted for the movie, when they spent money on the film, when they spent money on the marketing, they spent it as a film that was going to get a theatrical release. So, for one, the facts and data don't even back you up if you're going to try to make the argument that, oh, it was made for HBO Max, for starters. Secondly, just because a movie is made for it, let's say it's an example of of a movie that actually is being made for HBO Max and does get a small theatrical release. There was a a film, I forget the name of it, I think it was House Party. Actually, it was one that featured LeBron James, and this was like a rated R comedy film that was going to get an HBO Max release, and they decided to put it a week out in theaters. It did nothing. It did absolutely nothing. And so when we talk about streaming, the problem is, is that streaming services don't release their data. They don't release their numbers. There's no way of us to know for sure how many new subscribers have signed on to watch a specific movie or how many people have kept their subscription because of a specific movie. So even in that case, let's say Blue Beetle was originally made for it. Guess what? It would still be working on a financial loss unless they could provide the figures to indicate how they were making money off of it. So we went from a likely flop because financial data would not be available and we would know how much they've spent, but not nearly as much because they obviously had to spend more because of the theatrical release, right? And instead, what did we get? We actually got a full-fledged theatrical release. We got a film that was being filmed for theaters, 
Doesn't matter if the original concept was for HBO Max, the actual photography did not start until it was decided it would be theatrical. Ergo, we had this movie, it was still overspending, if you ask me, with $100 plus million being spent on it with not very good visual effects. Not the worst that I've ever seen, but also not great. But even worse is, of course, the story. The story is just not good. The characters are poorly written. You have a lot of great, talented actors. I love the actors in the movie. I actually like the actors that play the different family members. There might be others that disagree with me there. I don't mind the sister, for instance. The problem is not with the actors, though. The problem is with the characters, meaning it's the problem with the writing. The writing and the relationships that exist between those characters, between that family, does not make any sense whatsoever, especially when you remember how... He, how Jaime in the film, right, the lead, he has a moral compass, right? He is, he's all about not killing. And yet they're inconsistent with him on that character, but also they don't give you an actual example of a family member. One could, I guess, argue the father, but if you've seen the movie, you kind of realize eh, it's not a very strong one. There's no real example or real explanation as to how he became the way that he did with the family that he has around them, amongst many other issues that, of course, exist. But... Anyway, those are why the thought, those are my thoughts about why I know, not, not really believe at this point, but why I know Blue Beetle is not doing well at the box office and why right now there's no indication that it will do well at the box office. It is flopping in every way possible and this domestic drop off of 66% now dropping to number two after only being on top for a few days is not a good start, is not a good place whatsoever. All right, let's head back over onto the chat and let's start off with Odyssey. So Abomination says, I'd pitch it like this. If you enjoy Cats vs. Dogs but wish it were rated R in the vein of Sausage Party and Santa Inc. while also making pet owners look good and or bad, then have I got a movie for you. Yeah, it definitely does not sound like my cup of tea. Because uh, I have I only saw, of those things you mentioned, I only saw Sausage Party and that movie sucked. Abomination says, weird how there's yet another movie with the main character... Uh, chop a bus in half like a hot knife through butter. Interesting how this bus driving normally on the road and the driver didn't slow, didn't slow it down at all with the brakes. Yes, exactly, right? You would think he had enough time to at the very least try to stop and yet didn't. Also, I remember when they showed that clip of him cutting the boss of Blue Beetle, cutting the, 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 bu the bus in, in half in the trailer. And immediately I thought, okay, the suit at that point, it's early on. It has not fully adopted his morality. And so the only thing the suit knows is protect Jaime at all costs. So you're telling me that he's going to split a bus in half and somehow, some way, that's not going to harm any person that's on that bus? I mean, again, had it gotten to the point where the suit and him are integrated, right? That's kind of the, the, the general theme of the movie is the general have this full integration between the two. Okay, that would then make sense because you're like, okay, the suit's integrated, so it's going to not only protect Jaime, but also not harm others. That did not happen yet. This was at the very beginning of him using the suit, and all the suits knows, the only protocol it's going off of is protect Jaime. So uh, how in the world did none of those people get hurt? And it's not, you can't say, well, because it's a family movie, why would they do that? No, 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 you can't say that. Jump ahead, and then you see the family of him killing people, mowing people down with a giant mechanical beetle, and then also grandma, you know, mowing people down with a with a giant gun, with like a Gatlin gun, basically. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Not buying that for a second. People really just do not have anything uh, to really defend it with. 
Let's see, over on Rumble, King and Rumsky says, I don't know the movie Ran. Is it about the flock of seagulls? No, you need to look it up. It's Kurosawa, King and Rumsky. It's Kurosawa, and it's phenomenal. Look it up, and then and then let me know your answer down below. Uh, you would be Mad Dog. I see you hanging out over on Rumble. I know that you sometimes say hi over there, but a little suspicious, I would say, that you jumped in of today of all days. Uh, King and Rumsky then tagged to say, did you just say Sausage Party sucked? Yeah, as a movie was terrible. Don't Don't try to read into it. <laughs> uh, let's see Abomination over at Ozzy says you think the suit cutting the bus in half would also spill the gasoline on Jaime and there would have been lots of sparks and red hot, red hot steel there's a lot of things to say there's a lot of issues that one could look to when it comes to that film <laughs> especially for that sequence uh, Miss Modern Muses what's going on Miss Modern Muses thank you very much for being here we got Forever, Forever Sci-Fi in the chat. What's going on, Forever Sci-Fi? Appreciate you being here. Thanks for being a member on the channel. Uh, we got Magnus Magnuson going on. What's going on? Going on, what's going What am I saying there? What's up, brother? Welcome back, Magnus. Uh, Ryan Liu, what's going on? I'm pretty sure that uh, Gary is making us watch Ahsoka. Thank you for tagging me in this one. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I am. I don't want to, but uh, unfortunately, I will. Uh, Mike Jackson, again, hanging out in both chats today. <laughs> uh, Frank G. What's up, Frank G? Thanks for being a member. Odin, how are you? I'm doing okay. Doing a lot better than I was doing the other day. And uh, it's always fun to be here. It's always fun to have these conversations and to hang out with my people. To hang out with my peeps. Ryan Liu, does any of your students know about your channel? Every year, every year it happens. Um, not now this week of all weeks, the last couple of days has been when they st finally start to realize it. I mean, again, once one class knows as far as just year, right? So the students I had last year, once one class knows all of them end up knowing, but usually it's not actually talked about until like a few days into school. So no different than in previous years. This one's a little bit more rambunctious, I would say. Again, low watermark. Thank you again for that massive, very generous super chat earlier. Appreciate it. All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. Let's jump back into it. Let's see. Cthulhu says, happy Tuesday to you and the chat. YouTube seems to have you on a gray list. No notice about your stream at all. Dang. Well, that is one of the many reasons why 63 people still watching. So that's, a, that's about typical for a Tuesday. So I do appreciate you if you are here. Um, that is also one of the many reasons why I also... Be sure to post my links onto Twitter. I post them onto Locals as well. So if you follow me on those platforms, I'm, I'm usually able to get the link also before the stream starts up on, uh, up on Discord as well. And I try to make sure I tag everyone so that way there's a notification that goes out about it. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that especially if I'm at school and I'm trying to get the, get the link you know sent there, Discord's blocked for obvious reasons um, on at the school, so it's sometimes a little bit more difficult to get that link out at that time. And by the time I get home, I'm so exhausted, I'm just trying to detox. I don't even think to to post it there, but it's available in a lot of locations to say the very least. So, uh, Keely Chow says yes. Steven says, "What's the first field trip you take your students on?" I don't do field trips. We don't do. I mean, some some classes will do field trips when it makes sense. There's not a whole lot of stuff. You know, the, the 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 biggest thing that I ever do is I show a couple of movies. That's pretty much it. Uh, Bruce says, Mel is the bum. No, Mel, Melly Mac is awesome. Melly Mac is fantastic. It's always great to know that there is another YouTuber in this space and kind of in this connected circle that is also a, a person of faith. So that's always a great thing to see. But yeah. 
Steven, do you attend those high school dances to chaperone? If so, any funny stories? Uh, yeah, I mean, I last few years, there's been a couple years where I've missed. One was because of baby Thor being born. So obviously I was excused from having to, to chaperone one that year. Um, but last couple years, I have chaperone prom. Nothing really funny. I mean, again, nothing really that the, the most entertaining thing was a couple years ago at, at prom. It was at a location where the parking was abysmal. And so I ended up having uh, one of the students who was a senior was able to, to hold off a spot for me. But again, nothing really that funny. Uh, Hardwick, what's up, brother? It's been a while. He says, after a difficult move and a broken computer, I am making my triumphant return. Uh, I'm currently using an old computer that's about as fast as a horse-drawn buggy until I can get a good one. Well, hey, you are here. So appreciate you for, for making it out nonetheless. Steven says, it's wild how empty Dolby and IMAX are for Blue Beetle. Honestly, should be replaced with Mission Impossible. I mean, it wouldn't because though I would... I would hope Mission Impossible would get more seats. Mission Impossible has now been out just for so long. I don't honestly think it has enough gas in the tank to, to push more people out there, to be honest. They would need to do a whole kind of marketing campaign that you kind of would need Tom Cruise and some of the other actors available for. I honestly think that another reason why we're not seeing as strong numbers down the stretch for a film like Mission Impossible, when in most years we do, might honestly be because in part, not completely, but in part because of the uh, actors, uh, because of the, you know, the film actors guild strike, because let's just be frank. A lot of the time that stuff is driven by those reminders. You always see in marketing of this movie, this movie, this movie. And we're not really seeing that to the same degree. Rob D. Why do people believe Japan is still relevant box office wise? Because there are, again, sometimes when it does provide a bit of money, remember even for super Mario, it's not nearly as big of a money maker as people were saying it was going to be. Remember when everyone and their mother was saying, oh, Japan, it's going to be just this huge thing. And it ended up being a very slow start. And the one thing that is still consistent about Japan is that it is consistent. And it is a very, um, it is a very consistent uh, performing market, meaning that it performs very strongly over an extended period of time. But that does not guarantee then that you're going to have massive money coming out of it, right? I mean, especially when you talk about Western releases, and I know some people try to fight this point. They were trying to remember people trying to argue Mario's not a Western movie. It's, you know, it was made in, in Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. It's like, yeah, that doesn't change anything, right? It's still a film that's being, uh, you know, co-financed by Universal, by Illumination. It is still being promoted as an Illumination movie. And the primary way in which it's being released is how? with mainstream English voice actors. It's, it's being written for them. It's not being written for anything else. So by definition, then it is a Western movie. I think that's actually probably the best way to define what a, what the difference between like a Western movie would be versus a, you know, a local movie is, is the film's original language English or is the film's original, in that case is the film's original language Japanese. If the original language is Japanese, then you're talking about an English dub. That's not really what we saw from that movie. Right? So Again, it is interesting to see the the narratives being already spun to try to defend in some you know in some way try to defend uh, everything that's going on with with that box office. It's just not good. If you liked it, that's fine. I always try to say this too, and people just don't get it. Just because I say a movie is bad, or just because I say a movie is doing bad when it is doing bad, and when there are objective flaws, when I say it's bad, for instance, that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. That does not mean for a moment that you cannot enjoy the movie. 
I used this example last time and it still holds. I'm a huge fan of Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. I also recognize that that movie's not good. It's not a good movie. It's got a lot of problems with it. I still enjoy it, but it's got a lot of problems. But if you say I don't like it, I say I totally get it. I totally understand. Uh, let's see. Keely says, I heard Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to read that one, Keely. That's low-hanging fruit. And I can't say that I'm not disappointed because I am. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, Jay Tripped Poo. Oh, man. Controversy lives on. Uh, what's going on, brother? All right. So, uh, this is the first time that Steven posted it. Uh, pretty bum that I found out my nephew who took who I took care of when he, uh, when he was a kid getting married without me knowing. Any advice I should give him? He only been in a relationship with her for eight months, too. Well, hey, um, I, again, everyone works on different schedules. Sometimes people, especially when they're adults, are able to um, to recognize when they found the person that they can dedicate their life to. I mean, the only advice that I would give is make sure that this is not just a person that, and this is going to sound weird, but make sure it's not a person that you are, are just in love with. Because if that is all that you have is, oh, I'm in love with this person, that to me screams emotion especially if you're in a much shorter relationship. If instead the response is, no, this is the person that I'm choosing to spend the rest of my life with. That tells me they have a much better grasp of what they're getting into, right? Because marriage, is it about emotion? Is it about love? That's a part of it. But what is it really about? It's a choice. It, it is a choice that you are making and you are committing to. And as long as it's understood to be a choice, that's where you get into, okay, it is a choice that you are making which is the reason why when you say those words, because you chose to say them until death do us part, you mean them. If you can't go into it, meaning those words and understanding those words, you shouldn't enter into it. P pure and simple. So that that's what I would probably ask. That, that's probably the direction that I would end up going personally. Let's see. J tripped Pooh, who is a, or sorry, who met, who tagged said Iron Man wasn't well known by the normies. And how did that work out? Gotta love the excuses they come up with. Yeah. I mean, also, remember Shazam, the first Shazam movie, right? That film didn't have the biggest opening in the world, and yet that film had a bigger opening than Blue Beetle did. And, you know, Blue Beetle had a lot of support going into it. There were a lot of these groups that were trying to say, this is going to be one of the best things ever. What happened with the reviews? They were all glowing early reviews, right? There was all this push, and it wasn't enough. And with that Sunday to Monday drop-off, we're seeing there is not a word-of-mouth campaign on this film. And when you don't have word of mouth on your side and you don't have a strong opening, all that's left with is guaranteed catastrophe. That That's all you have left at this point. And again, just as a bit of a refresher, the first Shazam movie opened with three point. Sorry, let me get back to it. 5.8 million tickets. So again, I remind you, Shazam 1 in 2019 had an opening weekend of estimate 5.8 million. Blue Beetle, 1.9. And uh, I can't wait for the excuse of, well, Shazam's kind of a much well-known, better-known better entity, etc. It's like, as a non-comic person, I know as much about Shazam as I do about Blue Beetle. And if you're going to tell me that it's half the audience or half the knowledge or you know, a third of the audience, if you're talking almost 6 million versus 2, oh boy. I got a bridge to sell you. Because <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, Keely says they are bad movies, but at least they're still better than Captain Marvel. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I think I would, 
I might rather watch Captain Marvel than Blue Beetle again. That's a tough one. Obviously, I don't want to watch either of them ever again, and I have no plan to. But really, Blue Beetle had a lot of problems going into it. It really did. The more you think about that film, and the more you let the concepts and you let the the general plot and and choices percolate a bit, it's... I mean, at least I can laugh at how stupid (laughs) and how ridiculous Captain Marvel is, you know? Let's see. Over on Rumble... UB Mad Dog Mike Jackson says, please, please let us know when one or more of your students join the one one nine nine FNT for the win. <laughs> I, I I hope never, uh, simply just because of uh, of the nature of the beast, if if I might say so. Uh, just Joe forty seven, what is going on? Forever Sci-Fi as a member says, DC is incompetent. Establish a new Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Then work on the rest of the Big Seven from the Justice League. When you keep fa- failing, stop with the stop with the lesser known characters. Yeah, exactly. You know they could have easily followed the formula that that Marvel set up, right? Establish some key players, and then build up to your first Avengers movie. It was a huge success for them. The problem, though, and I go back to this every single time, and some people don't want to admit it because they're huge Snyder Bros. Zack Snyder was the worst person you could have chosen to take on the DCEU. And the reason why was because he made films, and he continues to make films. Have you seen the teaser for Rebel Moon? He is style over substance. He's all style, and some people like it, but the substance just is not there. And so even if he had chosen to do a Superman movie, and then made and established a standalone Batman movie, and then a standalone Wonder Woman movie. Like, if he had established and made all of those films, and then done a natural progression leading up to a very effective Justice League film, it still would not have worked out as well. Because he was not the person for it. He was not the right mindset. Obviously, James Gunn isn't the great mindset either. We've seen the decisions that he's made. As I said, as far as big movies are concerned, he's got one good one. One really good one, I should say. And that's Guardians 1. Out of all the big films that he's done, that is the only good one that has a lot of rewatchability to it. I know a lot of people do like 2 and 3, and some people maybe even like to rewatch them, but I think most of us would agree, in comparison, there is a giant chasm between 1 and 2 and between 1 and 3. So, again, I think that the DCEU is in, in terrible straits. They need a complete reboot. They need a complete reset. But the only way you can get that is that you have to have time. And that's something that they really, they really just don't have. They don't know actually how to how to deal with it, right? What they need to do is they need to find a way to take time, talking five to ten years of a break, to make sure you're getting the best writers with the best stories, the, the most competent directors. You obviously probably need to have someone competent who can be a producer, who can actually be kind of a the glue that holds it all together. And then have a plan. The way that the DCE movies came out, it felt like they just didn't have a plan. They were like, hey, let's do this and let's do that. And oh, okay, let's guess now let's do our Justice League movie. And oh, no, we can't go with this vision. So let's just cut ties and, and cause chaos. It, it was ridiculous. It really, really was. Brightburn85. Well, do you wonder how bad Max's Batgirl could be when David Zaslav was comfortable releasing The Flash and Blue Beetle? That's a great... Brightburn85, that's an excellent point. How bad must have Batgirl been if the same company that held that and canceled the release still went on to release The Flash and Blue Beetle? 
with how bad those movies are. That that is that is just abysmal. Let's see. Over on Rumble, Kincaid Rumsky says, "Tell Keeley he can do better. He can do better." You're welcome. Abomination over on Odyssey. I already got that one already. What's going on, brother? UAB Mad Dog Mike Jackson says, at least Zach isn't affiliated. That might be true. That might be true, UAB Mad Dog. But I just don't honestly think the DCEU is never going to be able to leave behind the stench of Snyder until they take a hard reset. Five to ten years, completely just nothing. All planning. It might be counterintuitive for people in the industry, but five to ten years of like pre-production getting your universe ready, getting your game plan actually ready to go. I don't think they would do it. I honestly just don't think they have the time or the patience. And ultimately, they just don't have the will. They don't want to tell you a good story. They don't want to tell us the story that we want to hear. That's evident when you look at the films that they've been releasing and the way that they have been releasing them. All they care about is trying to make money. And what they've been trying to be doing is they've been trying to make the quick buck, right? Disney got into the fashion of, oh, if we spend all this money... We can get X amount in return, and so therefore we can make money back, and it's all great. Well, guess what? Now that's come to bite them in the tush, as it were. Because now they've got all these projects where they spent all this money, and they're not making anything. DC got there a lot quicker. right? DC had one of the earlier big flops, as far as just within the midst of, of, their, of their franchise. right? DC burnout happened a little bit quicker, it seems, than MCU burnout. At least according to box office data, according to ticket sales. But I think mismanagement has probably been the biggest problem of all of it. Uh, Shen Hong hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on? Welcome. All right. Back into the YouTube chat. We got Justin C. in the chat. What's going on? Cthulhu. Trying to say, all problems with modern movies revolve around bad writing and editors not allowed to fix incompetence. That is absolutely true. And that's why it is so rich to see the writer strike happen. Because I understand part of it. I understand part of it, especially when it comes to the the smaller fish, right? The, the smaller fish who are getting used, who are getting mistreated in any way by major studios. I, I think that obviously they, they should receive some kind of protections, that they should receive some type of, you know, justice, whatever you want to call it. The problem that I have, though, is that the big fish are the ones who are getting all the attention and are making the biggest noise. And honestly, imagine, if you will, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot more complicated, but if I was a major studio, in all honesty, based on what we're seeing as far as the quality or lack thereof quality from these writers, with this strike, I would probably just say, you know what, I'm going to make a bold move, I'm going to make a bold decision and I'm going to say, maybe I just take one of my studios, right? Let's say I'm Disney. So I've got, you know, Miramax, 20th Century Studios, 20th Century Searchlight, or just Searchlight now, you know, Searchlight Productions. I got all these sub companies, right? I'm going to choose just one of them. And I'm going to say, this is now a non-union company. This is now a non-union production. And then just try it and say, hey, let's see what happens when the movies that we make are no longer unionized writers. Now, let's say that maybe there's some kind of deal between all of the unions, and that means you can't get any union actors, etc. I would not honestly be surprised if you if you had the willpower and you had the money to do it, as these major corporations do, why you wouldn't just try and say, hey, 
Maybe we can find a bunch of unnamed actors. We can definitely probably find some unnamed, unknown writers and see what we can do, see what happens. That's how I would go about it personally. I would say, okay, if you're going to play these games with you, I'm going to show you, all right, we're going to do things differently. We're going to actually show you that we don't really need you. That you need to start actually rethinking things. Because, again, I think that there's bad people on both sides of any of these debates. And the problem ultimately comes down to the fact that the people that actually need any help, the people that actually need any support, are not going to be the ones that get the primary amount. They're not going to be the ones that get the, 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 the primary focus, as it were. But that's what I would personally try and do. And again, I'm not saying that would be easy. I'm not saying that I wouldn't even know how to do it or if that it would even be legally possible. That's just the direction I would try to push it and say, okay, you don't want to work? Okay, we move on. Let's see, Rob D. Time to say, I'm uh, already seeing Blue Beetle marked down to $5 for Black Friday this year. Wait, are you really? <laughs> or are you just predicting that that's going to happen? I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. It would definitely not surprise me. Uh, Kitty Chaz says, we'll pray for you. Well, thank you. Brightburn says, the only other movie I could think of besides Blue Beetle where the parents don't factor into the child's behavior is It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey is nothing like his mom and dad. I'm trying to think back to that. I mean, he's not, and yet he is. Like, for instance, as far as the things that matter... He is definitely influenced by his parents. I mean, think about his his mom and dad. They they are very, they're careless people. Or sorry, I shouldn't say careless. They, uh, they are self-sacrificing people, right? They put the needs of others before their own. That's a huge part of his character. He doesn't want that, right? He is trying to leave, right? He's trying to fight against it. And yet what happens in the end, the needs of others outweighs it. So I would actually argue that that's probably not the best example, at least if I'm, you know, kind of thinking about this correctly. And I'm not saying, obviously, that they're the same exact persons, right? That there are clear differences between them. Obviously, there's going to be differences between them. But I think if we're talking about a pretty massive shift, a pretty massive difference, I honestly think that it's not the exact same. But if you can make the argument, I'd be willing to listen. I'd be willing to listen. Richard Sylvester, what's going on? Keck44, welcome back to the chat. Mighty Orbots, what's up? Orange Reviews, Film Actors Guild, do not acronym that. Do not. Do not. Unless you just want to say, like, America. Or Team America, etc. Uh, Steven had to say, are you going to the movies this Sunday for Cinema Day? Also, do you think this will help Blue Beetle? So, here's the thing. So, one, probably not just because... Sunday is a very important day of the week for me. It's 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 uh, the Lord's Day, so Mass is is a crucial uh, point of my day. It is also the weekend, so it is family time of the weekend. So we usually spend time together. Not that we're doing anything you know amazing together all the time, right? But we do spend time together. Uh, we let Baby Thor watch watch movies over the weekend. Uh, we don't let him watch anything over the week. So um, in general, there's just not. There's not going to be any time for me to go, and again, in all honesty, it's it's something where that's not even that's not even like a secondary idea. Sometimes there's been occasions where I've gone like a Sunday evening once maybe Thor goes to bed, where I've gone to a movie, but I, yeah, I just don't have no desire I, I, again because it's not going to impact me. I have AMC A list, so 
that's not going to do anything for me ticket wise because I could already get those tickets for, you know, quote for free because I've already paid for three every single week. So, but hey, if anyone is someone that does not have a list, who does not go to see the movies as often as I do, then I think it's a great deal, especially if you can see a movie in IMAX or something. To the second question, do I think it's going to help Blue Beetle? Here's the thing. Even if you have an increase in the number of people going, guess what? Your tickets are a lot less. That's that's less revenue overall. So you're, you're still talking about a movie that it might get a bump in people, but the money's not going to really get changed whatsoever. Or if it is, it's going to be very mar- it's going to be very small at best. So I, I would say no. I don't think it's going to really help that much for them. It's going to be a much bigger help for films I think like Gran Turismo and for other films that people have maybe just holding off on. Orange Hat says, Oh, Odin, how many Jet Li movies have you seen? I asked because I reviewed Kiss of the Dragon with him and thought it was well done. I've not seen a lot, to be perfectly honest. I honestly think the one that I know that I have seen, and it's not one of his best, is he was in a film where it was him and and, and Jackie Chan, actually. Was it The Kingdom? Or something? It was something related to it, to the word kingdom in some way. It's it's a, It's a lot of fun, actually. It's a pretty fun movie. Because uh, Jackie Chan plays a character, and, and and Jackie Chan's character is a specialist in, um, oh, what's it called? Is it Drunk Kung Fu? Or Drunken Master, basically. And then Jet Li is something else. I know there's a much bigger films with, with them in it, but I've seen that. And then he was also in the, th- wasn't Jet Li also in the third Mummy film? So I've technically seen him in that, not that that's all that great. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of Jet Li films. That's not really an actor that I've ever felt the need to kind of go down the rabbit hole with. Kili Chow says, Lorena said that Blue Beetle is an excellent family movie, but a mediocre super movie. I would still argue that it's not very good as a family movie. Like, if it's meant to say that it's good for families to go see, I would honestly say I I, I just don't think so. I don't think that the family dynamic is is as strong as as it should be. There's moments in the movie, for sure, that have strong family dynamic. But it's surrounded by so much bad writing and questionable familiar relationships, especially with the backstory of, of the grandma. I, I just, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a film that family should see in general, let alone, you know, specifically <laughs> something that is for families uh, in a specific fashion. Rob D says, I think I'm going to nominate vote for Tony of Deadline for biggest NPC of the year at next year's Ravens. Rob D, that would be a beautiful one. And I would have, I would fully support that, that choice for sure. Ikthulu says, you need to watch Defender with your wife to cleanse the palate. I don't think I've seen Defender by myself. I don't even know what film that is. Rob D, my take, no more DC Comics until 2020, 2038 and 2039. The 100th anniversaries of Superman and Batman. Okay, I don't think we need to wait that long, Rob D. But I, I like your thinking. I like I like what you're throwing down there uh, as far as ideas. Because there does need to be a pause. There does need to be a, a, a pausing of the releases within that universe if they're going to have any hope whatsoever of getting things back on track. This process of just continuing over and over again to just put out content year after year after year, and it's not really adding to these universes, it's not really improving them or expounding upon them in any type of meaningful way, it's just a bit of a problem. 
and I think that it's catching up with them now, especially Warner Brothers, especially Disney, because they've just spent so much money on these projects. I mean, even for Blue Beetle, not that it's their biggest spend at either 100 to 120 million, depending on you know where you're reading the uh, the reported budget from, but that's still a lot more than what you would typically spend on on a film or what you really should be spending on a film like that. You know, HBO is definitely in a much better position because they've been in the streaming game for a long time. So they have a lot of financial support. I think that when it comes to streaming services, they're one of the few that is actually making money. And again, it makes a lot of sense because they've just been in the game longer. They have been making original content for a lot longer too. So they have a much better grasp of what their subscribers want, of what kind of content will sell, of what kind of content will keep people. Whereas, you know, newer companies in the streaming game like Paramount Plus, like uh, Disney, to a certain extent Netflix, though Netflix has been in this game, you know, uh, comparatively, not nearly as long as HBO, but probably like the next longest, maybe. Unless you're getting into like the the weeds with, you know, stations like Stars and stuff. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, these these places, HBO Max especially, or sorry, uh, Disney especially, you're just having all this content and you're spending all this money and you're not making that money back. And though one could argue that Blue Beetle as a box office flop is not going to have a huge impact necessarily on the bottom line of Warner Brothers, the fact that you just add that on to the massive flop that was Shazam, the massive flop that was The Flash, and the, and the other flops that have happened this year and the flops that are still to come, and then you've got really only one bright spot for them, which is Barbie, of which they're splitting revenues. After they get their cut, of course. It, it's just not in a good... It's not in a good place at all. Hardwick, Tennessee, instead of Zack Snyder, Warner Brothers should have gotten Joe Johnson, Sam Raimi... Or Brad Bird to direct Man of Steel, and maybe Paul Denny as the as their Kevin Feige to oversee things. I don't know much about Paul Denny um, as far as the other directors go. Sam Raimi is not a guarantee of anything. If Sam Raimi is underneath a studio system, he makes bad movies. We saw that happen with Spider-Man Three. We saw that happen also with Doctor Strange Two. So that's why there are certain directors where they sound good on paper because they've made good movies, but if they have any type of handholding, if they have any a corporate involvement, they cannot work. Th- their movies suffer tremendously because of it. So, and I would I would have to throw Brad Bird in there too because I'm pretty sure Brad Bird has also made movies that were ended up not being good because again, these directors are not guaranteed to make good movies. You need to have somebody, and even then, it's not a guarantee, right? Even some of the long timers, right? People like Scorsese, people like Spielberg, even they can make bad films. However, we have a much higher track record of success with those directors, right? When they're making significantly more good films than bad films, there's some trust there. But when you have people that they made one really good film and now they're the hot ticket and then they can't match up to that success, you essentially get the D&D. You essentially get the, the Benioff and Weiss, right? You essentially get what happened with Game of Thrones, Right, They were a hot commodity, a hot ticket because they had great source material to work on. And then as soon as they could make up their own ideas and the concepts, all of a sudden they start to fall off a cliff. And then when they're completely on their own, as they were in season eight, they make complete trash. And now where are they? What their first thing is now just about to come out. And, and the only thing that people remember about them is, oh yeah, they were once the directors behind really 
a, a really terrible ending of a show, right? That a show that is now notorious for just destroying a narrative. An ending that if anyone asked, oh, should I watch Game of Thrones? I heard it's really good. You'd say, nay, nay. Because even though there's a lot of great stuff in those first seasons, if you're going to get to the end of the story, and typically when you start a story, you want to end it, it is not worth the journey to get there. Let's see. Laura, the modern major general's story. They lost me when Superman let his dad die, but then they really lost me with Martha. Exactly. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of problems within Man of Steel. And when Man of Steel is probably one of the better Snyder films that was ever made, <laughs> it's not saying a lot. Uh, Zane Waters. George Lucas tried not to use union actors after what they pulled on him with the first Star Wars film. Oh, interesting. He was a pioneer. Forever Sci-Fi. Considering that the studios have been losing money on most movies lately, it's probably a gain for them to not be producing anything thanks to the strikes. You would think that, but also keep in mind that... That means any of their future revenue streams are going to be limited. So that means that the potential hit that they could have had is now either not going to happen or is going to be delayed in happening. That means also that movies that they were going to be making that would have cost a little, but likely would have made some return because of long-term sales, long-term viewing, etc. also isn't going to be coming in. So I understand the argument of, well, we're not spending money now, but you've got that issue of you're delaying future profits, you're, you're delaying future revenue streams on the one hand. And then on the other, remember, yes, but on many of these projects, they've already spent a lot of money. And now, especially because of inflation, now you're talking about that price tag just getting more and more expensive. So there's a short-term positive in that you're not spending money right now, but then your cost is increasing and then your, your your eventual profits, if any, are now also further delayed. So it's it's definitely not not a good thing. Let's see, Keely Chow. There needs to be a Peeping Tom comic on Indiegogo and Peeping Tom movie as a Phantom Menace original. I actually don't know a whole lot about that. I am not a Comicsgate person or anything like that, so that I, I don't know what that is. Uh, Rob D, my Blue Beetle $5 Black Friday uh, comment earlier is my prediction. It's not official. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured, but <laughs> that definitely would make a lot of sense. Howard James Gunn has said that the reason so many movies are bad is that they start shooting without a finished script, and the resulting reshoots also result in bad VFX due to uh, the artist overworking. It wouldn't surprise me, um, but I, I think ultimately, too, if you just get down to it, when you get down to brass tacks, it's just bad from beginning to end. Brightburn. Well, I think George Bailey caught between two sides. He wants to be selfish and leave Bedford Falls, but the voices of his parents and Mary Hatch are stronger than Mr. Potter's. Uh, stronger than Mr. Potter's. Yeah, exactly, though. And so that's why I, I think that ultimately, though, he is able to have the positive influence, right? Whereas if you look to Jaime and his family, I guess his dad's a positive influence, but he's not a really around enough for you to really get that grasped. And there's so many more bad influences, right? If you look at the daughter, for instance, if you look at his sister, she makes sense. It's like, yes, you are the logical result of this family dynamic. Whereas Jaime isn't. And again, we could argue and say that 
this is family in general, right? All families are different. All families can have different siblings. And I'd, I'd be willing to say, okay, I, I can concede that point. But I think ultimately it just, it does have issues because you just look around and you think of just, it's not even just that they're violent. It's they're hyper-violent. Again, his uncle and his grandma are murderers. Not, not just because of their backstories, but because of what they actually do in the film. They kill people. <laughs> it's it's essential. And if anyone says, well, you never see anybody die. Yeah, that's like the argument of, well, you know, the Batmobile, when it was dragging all of those things behind it <laughs> and knocking all those cars over, didn't kill anybody. Please. Let's see. G, uh, GK Design says, am I the only person who's Blue Beetle and thinks a car and not a superhero? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Abomination. <laughs> Abomination over on Odyssey says, Spider-Man 3 did nothing wrong. Yes, it did. Come on, man. Brightburn 85. But then again, it's a wonderful life as a classic. Blue Beetle is going to be forgotten in 20 years. Less than that, dude. Again, it's it's not being seen by anybody. No one is going to see it. The film is already back down to the number two spot. It's only been out for four days. It's losing to Barbie. Barbie's back on top, and Barbie's been out for 32 days. It's been out for over a month, and Blue Beetle could only stay on top for for a very short time, and barely on top at that. It's not good. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Keely Chow, The Forbidden Kingdom. Yes, that was the film. Uh, That's a fun movie, actually. Drunken Boxing, Drunken Fist. Yes, thank you. Master Gaming Jet Li was in the Mulan remake of 2020. Yeah, I've kind of tried to erase that from my mind uh, <laughs> because I just... Oh, it's so bad. Steven, once you're done watching the first two episodes of Ahsoka, will you drop a review? Probably not. I probably won't talk about it until Friday Night Tights and then I might briefly talk about it on on uh, Saturday stream. Um, Actually, no, I probably won't even talk about Saturday stream, so... Uh, just as a reminder, uh, you know, I'll mention this early and I'll mention it at the end too, but this Saturday we'll have our uh, Chosen of Valhalla stream. So it'll be from 1 to 3 Eastern time. That's 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time, our Chosen of Valhalla stream. So there will not be an evening stream this Saturday as as we'll be doing our, our stream early with my Chosen members. And then most of that's going to be focused on them, so I'm not going to be really taking questions from the chat or anything. But um, Star Wars has gotten to the point where it's... It's something where I, I don't want to even talk about it. I don't really even want to see it. Um, but we're, we are going to be talking about it on Friday Night Tights. And um, Gary makes us watch things. I blame him. <laughs> Harwick says, How much bad writing do you think is the fault of the writers as opposed to studio interference? Uh, Jotel Gomez said that Marvel made Michael Waldron rewrite Doctor Strange 233 times. Again, I think, honestly, it's it's both. Because if a writer is going to allow himself to be treated that way, again, we can blame the studios a lot. But I think that's why I have to give a lot of credence and a lot of credit to any writer or any director who quits when a studio tries to get too involved. Right? When, When it's gotten to the point where a writer or director can see that their story is no longer theirs, if you're a if you're like an actual writer and if you're someone that takes pride in your work, you would say, "No, I'm not doing this. This isn't my work anymore. I'm out of here." Again, easier said than done. Many of these people are working pay, pay, paycheck to paycheck, so they don't have the option to do so. But that's why, ultimately, because they choose to stay there, that ultimately means that, hey, they they have to um, take responsibility for what they write. Because even if they're rewriting it, they're still, re- they're still writing it nonetheless. Forever Sci-Fi, a good director can't always save a bad script. Nope. 
you kind of need a good story. You, you, at least you need a uh, at least you need a story that makes sense for any of that stuff to make sense. Let's see. Uh, Jacobite Wiseman, does Oppenheimer touch on Japanese war crimes? Uh, no. Let's see. Keeley says, Peeping Tom is a fictional comic book series that is a part of Real BBC's lore. Ah, that is why. Yeah, I don't watch Real BBC. I don't watch much of anything <laughs> because working, family, I have barely enough time to keep up with my own channel and with a, a few videos here and there from others. Most of the time when I'm watching YouTube, I'm watching news. It's like news reporting. And uh, every now and then I'll be watching like a Valiant Renegade stream or uh, one of Gary's streams if I can. I'm usually not watching a lot. So that makes sense as to why I don't know that lore. There's so many things in the lore of, of most of these things that I don't know. Yeah, Hardwick's just adding on to that. Uh, let's see. Daniel Kantu. I uh, completely agree. I don't care or feel the love of Star Wars anymore, and I consider Rise of Skywalker as my most hated movie of all time. I mean, it is honestly the worst. I think that The Last Jedi did the most damage to the brand. I think The Last Jedi did the most damage. But I think, objectively speaking, Rise of Skywalker is worse. And I know that's going to be hard to think, right? How can something be worse for the franchise, but yet not be the worst movie? I mean... If you go back and rewatch it, I don't recommend you do, but if you go back and rewatch Rise of Skywalker, there are some really just bad, like, so, like, there are so many bad things in that film that even the normies had to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, now hold on a second there, right? What even the normies are noticing, because we could argue that though most people are starting to come around to The Last Jedi, there is still a large portion of people that just don't care. They say, oh, it was fine, yeah. You don't have nearly as many who are willing to either be ambivalent, which again, that says a lot about your franchise too. If if audiences are either ambivalent, like they just don't care, or or the portion of people that actually love it are, are very, very small and shrinking in certain respects, that, that's not a good thing. Both films are bad, but I think Rise of Skywalker is is significantly worse. But Last Jedi, of course, was worse than the franchise. Last Jedi destroyed the franchise. And then, basically, it's... Last Jedi tripped the franchise. Tripped, fell over itself, fell into the mud. And then The Rise of Skywalker was it was just kicking it while it was down. But it was also missing its kicks. Because it was just that bad. It just didn't know what <laughs> it needed to do. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, King Gain Rumshki over on Rumble... Tag to say, how long before AI replaces writers? I, I mean, I think it's probably already happening. It probably, depending on the film, the studio, the scale, I wouldn't be surprised if we're already seeing that. I, I mean, it wasn't a part of the writing, but it was already revealed that the opening sequence for the um, Secret Invasion show was made via AI technology. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see AI be producing some some content, or at the very least, using it as a basic... I mean, think about this, right? A writer can go in and ask ChatGPT, can ask any of these software programs to write a basic outline. And think about that, right? A basic outline. Then that's what they do. They can fill in the gaps. And then at that point, they could say, oh, I wrote it, but the outline came from, from elsewhere. Maybe that actually can maybe even explain some things, right? Where we say, wait... The individual lines aren't terrible necessarily, but man, this is messy. Maybe we're already seeing it for all we know, right? 
All right. Justin C. Tend to say you plan to see Equalizer 3 on September 1st. Uh, yes. I, I, I think I'm definitely... I think I am. I think I'm definitely. That's a contradiction there, Odin. I'm leaning towards seeing it opening night. I finally was able to watch the first two movies this past year and enjoyed them. Not a huge fan of them. I don't love them. Uh, I think the first film is better than the second one. But I'm intrigued by this one coming up. So I think it'd be I think it could be a lot of fun. Let's see. Keely had to say, I would rather watch the 2010 Iron Bowl and the 2013 Iron Bowl for a second time than The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker for a second time rolled tide. Oh boy. I don't know enough about college sports to understand those references. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey uh, tagged to say, the TMNT movie trailer kind of reminds me of the weird animation style of Secret Invasion. I wonder if AI was involved. I mean, it could be. I think, honestly, though, that the AI for TMNT... Or sorry, not the AI. Looking ahead there. The animation for TMNT, I think that's more so trying to copy, to a certain degree... Uh, the the style of Spider Verse, where it's more comic booky, it 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 looks much more uh, true to life or not true to life, true to form, I should say. It's different. There's clear differences between them, but that's where I think the similarity would be, and that's probably where the inspiration came from, more so than from AI or, or from Secret Invasion, I should say. But let's see, Keely, sorry, uh, Kinkan Rumski tagged to say. Did you need me to troll you tonight since all your trolls ain't here tonight? Yeah, General Wingster, who who is my pet troll. He, I guess I guess he he won the other day and I guess he was like, "Oh, I don't need to show up to work today." <laughs> Gunner, what's going on, brother? Yeah, Valiant Renegade's good. I, I love also that there is this lore that somehow we hate each other. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Hardwick. Joe Johnson fought Disney tooth and nail to get the Rocketeer made correctly. He won but found the battle so exhausting that he reportedly said, I'll never work for that uh, mouse again. Well, there you go. So, uh, Zane Waters says, CLJ makes me more angry. Rise of Skywalker is worse, but I can laugh at it more as I know the director didn't hate the fan base. Well, I think also we can laugh at it because it's just laughably bad, right? Whereas there is a malicious intent, kind of your your point with the first one, right? About Last Jedi. There seems to be much more malicious intent with The Last Jedi than with Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker is just a poorly made movie. And it, it honestly reads, if you look at all three of those movies together, it's it, it, it's honestly a comedy in a lot of ways, right? Because what you have J.J. Abrams do is he doesn't do anything very original. He, he does a very generic Star Wars movie. And that's really all it needed to be, to be perfectly honest, right? The new hope of a new era, as it were. And so he he made some mystery boxes. He he gave some some layups, and then Ryan Johnson comes along and then says, "Nope, nope, 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 nope. I'm gonna subvert everyone's expectations on every single one of these points, and then I'm gonna tell my own, <laughs> I'm gonna tell my own contained story in a trilogy." So then when JJ comes back, he says, "Well." You crapped on all my original ideas, and you made a little self-contained narrative there that only yours can <laughs> you can really work with. So I guess I'm just gonna have to make crap up. And what happens? The emperor comes back. <laughs> so literally, he's just making things up. So that's why it, it's more it's funnier because I think with Ryan Johnson, you could argue there's some malicious intent there. Clearly, <laughs> clearly some just ah, just evil intentions there. Whereas with JJ, it was like, well, 
There's nothing else really I can do at this point. <laughs> uh, Super Anime Gamer says, hey you're live. How are you? Sorry I haven't been around much. Changes in my schedule and family stuff always going on. Everything's good, though. Yeah, of course I'm live. It's a Tuesday at 8.11 p.m. For those that are maybe first-time watchers, thank you for watching. Smash the like button. Like the five minute smash the wrong button as well. I'm live every Tuesday and Saturday from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Usually I go for about 90 minutes or so. And there's always the exception, of course. I mentioned that this coming Saturday, it'll be a 1 to 3 p.m. stream as I have my chosen of Valhalla stream with my chosen members. Forever Sci-Fi, I think they have to keep the writers around. Some courts have already said you can't copyright something created by AI. Yeah, so that is true. But then again, I think the... So if you're talking about them, how they can't go completely AI, yes. But what I'm saying is... What I was saying before, rather, is... I, If I was the one running the studio, I would instead say, I'm not working with unions anymore. I'm going to find some independent writers who are not union. Or if it's even possible to find people that are, you know, dues are coming up for them and then they decide to not re-up their dues and so now they're no longer union technically or whatever. I- I'm sure there would be a way. I-, I feel like there would have to be a way to, to get around it. Uh, King and Rumshi over on Rumble says, what would you rather watch, Captain Marvel or Phantom Menace? I mean, Phantom Menace. That movie's hilarious. That movie is hilariously bad. Captain Marvel is, is just bad. <laughs> it's just not good. Oh man. Let's see. Keely says, the fan of both Star Wars and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys letting me down these last 28 years is nothing compared to the last Jedi. Dang, son. Oh boy. Hardwick then went on to add, The Force Awakens is malicious too. It takes away all the victories of the character growth of the original uh, trilogy's heroes in order to tell a copy of their story with younger characters. Uh, here's the thing, though. I honestly think that's JJ just being a stupid writer. I think that's him being stupid and lazy. That's why I don't think it's malicious. I think it, in the way that it treats them, it's not good. I think there's a lot of problems. But I think if we're going to look and compare, at the very least, JJ is not nearly as malicious as someone like a Ryan Johnson. Especially look after the fact. What did Ryan Johnson do? He mocked the fans. He he mocked the criticism. He he was a complete jerk the entire time. JJ didn't do that. And again, that's not me saying JJ is a good guy, but it is saying, okay, on the one hand, you have someone who said, I just took your entire franchise and drove it to the ground and crapped all over your characters and crapped all over all the stuff that could have happened. And then he mocks about it. He, he brags about it. But then on the other side, you have JJ who's just like, oh, a paycheck. Uh, let's just do this and this and this and this and this. You know? So clearly it was a redo, but I don't think it was nearly as malicious. I think it's because he had no ideas and says, well, I guess we need to take the original, but uh, it needs to be new characters, so let's do that and you know move things around. I don't think it was nearly as malicious. It wasn't good, but it was not nearly as malicious. All right, let's see, Rob D. What's funny is that still to this day, Disney is trying to explain retcon why the Holdo Maneuver wasn't terrible writing. Oh my goodness, the Holdo Maneuver. I still cannot believe that actually happened, that they actually put that on film. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Oh, speaking of trolls, General Wingster says, Beach, you know it. I see what you did there. I see what you did there, good sir. How dare you? But I see what you did there. All right. 
So I'm going to go ahead and uh, we'll, 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 I'll stay in the chat for a little bit longer. It's 8.15, so we're getting close towards the end. Um, but I'll go ahead and close the giveaway. If you didn't know there was a giveaway, well, that's why, that's why you should be here at the beginning of, of the streams. So anyway, the, the giveaway is now closed. And the winner of the giveaway, which over on YouTube was the Rocky Six Film Collection, the Heavyweight Collection, Contains Rockies 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and Rocky Balboa, technically Rocky 6. All of the relevant Rocky films. No, none of the Creed films. It's the 40th anniversary edition. But the winner is Keck 44. Keck 44, claim your prize, good sir. If you're still around, claim your prize. Claim your prize, good sir. You have to still be around if you are going to, uh, if you're going to win it. Uh, Abomination, just confirm that that, that 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 is you trying to enter, good sir. Because <laughs> I, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Kek44 is in the chat, he says, claim. All right, so Kek44, again, I don't always remember who has won before or previously, but if you can just contact me either through the Discord server, if you are in there, Twitter DM, or email odinsmovieblog at gmail.com, you can then uh, contact me, let me know where to send it. And I will try and get that out in the mail this week to you. Thank you again for, for being in the chat, for always being in the chat. Uh, Abomination says, I'm not trying to enter. I'm just being silly. Oh, come on, brother. Come on, man. It's a great film. It's a great film that, that, that I'm offering up over there for, for, for the Rumble and uh, Odyssey peeps. And I don't, I don't want anyone just to win by default. I need to have at least two entries. <laughs> I need to have at least two it. Uh, Kek44 says, I won a little time ago. Okay, okay, gotcha. If, if the address is the same, then I will try and look for it. So just tag me and let me know if it is the same. I'll try and find the original email, and then I can I can get that set up for you. So that way you don't have to worry about remembering to email me. All right, over on uh, YouTube, General Winkster says, You know I love you. I love you too, General Winkster. I love you too. Uh, Jacob Weisman, I'd rather watch Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, than the sequel trilogy. I don't even know those references. I know Power Rangers, like old school 90s Power Rangers, but that that is about it. Uh, Rob D, did I say, what is the highest rank? Is it the Court of Asgard? Uh, so Court of Asgard is, um, that is something that is reserved for mods. So mods are, are typically in the Court of Asgard. I think that's how I set it up. Legend of Asgard is the highest. Legend of Asgard is the highest that I have ever established it to, to be. Um, Steven, no, I will not be doing the John before giveaway because the steel books are gone. There, there are no more steel books to buy. So, uh, <laughs> so th th those are gone. Uh, but you can go ahead and get John Wick chapter four, uh, on 4k. It just won't be the steel book version. Uh, unless, unless you wanted to go to like eBay and buy it from a scalper, which I would not recommend. Yeah. Those, those things are gone. Let's see. Keck 44 got the mission Impossible giveaway. Nice. Very cool. Uh, Kili Chow, Disney slash Lucasfilm equals John Fisher Star Wars, Oakland A's Star Wars fans, A's fans. <laughs> General Wingster, I should be in the court. This is discrimination. Is it now? Kate Ramsey says, is the Meg 2 on Steelbook? Well, it's it's still in theaters, so it would surprise me if they do release it on, on Steelbook at one point. I have no desire to, to ever get it. So... <laughs> Uh, let's see, Abomination says, okay, Odyssey versus Rumble, 1v1, let's go. Boom! Okay. There it is right there. 1v1, 
So uh, the the giveaways over there. So again, I want it to be people who are always in the chats over there, right? If I ever do giveaways, if I see people who are just jumping in because they're here, or giveaways happening. No, I'm not gonna let that fly. But there is currently a giveaway right now for Ran on 4K Steelbook. This is Akira Kurosawa, phenomenal movie. Comes with the 4K and Blu-ray edition, and uh, it's actually a really really good transfer, I think. And uh, it's a beautiful Steelbook too. It's one of my favorites. Lionsgate when they do their physical media releases, does a great job. So this is the Studio Canal release, but it's a Lionsgate distribution. So it, it is absolutely uh, you know, fantastic. But anyway, so right now it's going to be UAB Mad Dog versus Abomination. So let me go ahead and get my, my uh, wheel of names up and running. Let's see. Abomination. Let me just put Obam and then UAB Mad all right. Spin in the wheel now. Abomination and you'll be mad dog. Around, around, around that goes. Who would win? Nobody knows. But boom. Congratulations to Abomination. You are the winner. It was a 50 50 battle, 1v1. And Abomination, who holds down the fort all the time on Odyssey, is indeed the winner today. So, uh, Abomination. If you can, I think I've gotten your contact before, so just confirm if I have and if therefore I know where to ship it to, and I will get that also in in the mail. Congratulations, good sir. Appreciate you always holding down the fort. Let's see, over on Odyssey, or sorry, over on Rumble, Shen Hong, Shen Hong says, um, highly recommend The Witch 1 and 2 Korean films. A little confusing because it's new world building, but worth it does not end with part two. Oh, okay. I, I do typically like the South Korean films. I don't know why, but there's just something about them. Maybe something in the water over there, but I do typically like South Korean films. So, uh, interesting. I guess, could you sell me on it a little bit as far as, you know, is it about witchcraft? Does it deal with that in any way? Or is it instead a something else entirely? So at least at least give me a little bit of that. Uh, Abomination says from airplane a bow gasp, not a bow, a bomb. <laughs> uh, contact info is the same. Perfect, Abomination. I'll get that out to you this week. Thanks for entering, bro. Uh, engineered beings. Okay, interesting. Steven says, what item did you actually buy from a scalper before? Um, I've only ever bought a couple things from eBay, uh, and it was Children of Men. Steelbook, not even the 4K, because I don't think they ever they have not released that on 4K yet. Brilliant movie, such a great film. If you've never seen Children of Men. I just love that Steelbook, and so it wasn't too overpriced, but it was it was out of print, so it was definitely higher, maybe double what it was initially. So again, not the worst scalping that I've seen, uh, but that one I I got off of there, and then I also got Blade Runner 2049 on that one was 4K Steelbook. That one I had not pre-ordered for some stupid reason. So that one I had to get. And I think that was also about double uh, for that one too. But yeah, typically I try to avoid that because especially when you get into films like John Wick and when you get into modern day sales on eBay, I think that they charge probably a little bit more now than the, than what they typically would have in the past. And it's also just not good to support them. And I try not to. That's why now if there's a movie that I have any interest in, I try and, and and you know buy that in advance as, as soon as I can. Like for instance, I already have three. I think I have three copies of Mission Impossible 4K Steelbook because uh, 
The one good thing is that it used to be where these steelbooks were exclusive to Best Buy. I don't know what's changed. I feel like Hardwick knows a lot about this stuff because he follows the news a lot better than I do. But I, I kind of wonder if some deal broke because now you can get most of the steelbooks, at least this is what I've seen, most of the steelbooks I've had any interest in, you can now get on like Amazon and you can now get at other locations. So that actually helps out quite a bit because now usually like Amazon will have a link up much quicker and much, much faster than, than Best Buy will, for instance. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm assuming something must have changed because now that exclusivity seems to be uh, gone at this point in time. All right. Got a few minutes left here. Uh, Abomination contact is saying perfect, perfect, perfect. Let's see. Orange Hat says, oh, Odin, did you hear that Prey is finally getting its physical media release? And with the Steelbook, I did. And as you all know, I thought that it was so much better than what it had any right to be. It was fine. It was okay. It's just also a movie I, I just, I don't really have a desire to own. So, but yeah, for those that have an interest in Prey, it's not a bad movie. If you like the Predator franchise, you might like it. I think it's, I think one could argue it's better than the uh, the Shane Black version of what was that one just called The Predator? I think I personally here's the thing: the Shane Black Predator movie, as not a as not a Predator fan, meaning I'm not like a hardcore fan. I like the movies, but I'm not a hardcore fan. I would say it probably is not a good Predator movie. I think most people who are hardcore Predator fans say it's a terrible Predator movie. I respect that. But when you go into it thinking it's a Shane Black movie, it changes things a little bit. That's why I like Iron Man 3, for instance, because as a Shane Black movie, it's actually fun. Iron Man, maybe not so much, right? When they have the twist about the Mandarin, I remember I had friends that were hardcore fan, uh, that were hardcore comic fans, and they hated it. But then I also had friends that were hardcore comic fans or, or normies like me, and I was like, this is hilarious. So... Again, I, I think appreciate Shane Black's humor more so than what other people might. So I didn't mind it as much, but I think most people would say that Prey is a better Predator movie than The Predator was, as far as the Shane Black Predator film, specifically. So, let's see. Ambrose Shamerpot, what's going on? Uh, let's see. Hardwick, did you know that Seasons 1 of 2 of Mandalorian are getting physical release? Uh, as our WandaVision, the Falcon Winter Soldier. That's hilarious. I don't know who's going to buy it. If you think about how few people... Um, with, with Mandalorian, Mando Season 1 and 2, you might get some traffic. Who's honestly going to buy WandaVision? Or let alone Falcon and Winter Soldier? Th- those shows had such small views by comparison. You add to that their other shows like Loki and Miss Marvel. I... I would really want to know who's actually buying that content. I just don't see it. <laughs> I just really, really don't. Let's see. Keely says, fun fact, Akira Kurosawa was one of the four directors who influenced uh, Shang, Shang-Chi. I don't know the name Shang-Chi, but Akira Kurosawa is just phenomenal. Kurosawa is, I think, one of the greatest directors of all time. I would put him up easily against Spielberg or against any other Western director. I mean, the, the films that he did and how many of them were just not just good, but phenomenal and and so highly influential on other properties. And also just how great he was at adapting material. 
I mean, Ran is just phenomenal in its adaptation. Sort of Doom. Uh, was it uh, Harikiri? There's just so many great films. Throne of Blood. Oh my goodness. Throne of Blood is so, so good. Let's see. Super says, Man of One and WandaVision will probably sell well. I don't think... Bro, here's the thing. WandaVision would have been a good seller had they stopped the show after the first few episodes. But with where that show ends, no, 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 no. You you cannot say that that show is going to do well. Mando, I, I think that you might get some... And I think it's primarily because Mando, whether you like it or not, has baby Baby Yoda. And there are a lot of people who love Baby Yoda. And a lot of people who only know about Baby Yoda but don't have Disney Plus. So I I, I again I do not think that of those film of those series that are gonna be on physical media, I think Mando one and two are the only ones that have any chance of selling. But even then, I would I would still think it's not gonna be good. Orange Hat says, Odin, when the Mandarin twist happened in theaters, I chucked my soda at the screen, not my proudest moment. <laughs> yeah, again, like I said, I, and here's the thing, Orange Hat, I understand, I completely get it, and I respect anyone that hated it. I respect anyone that hated it, but as a non-comic person, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, who? Because I, I really like, um, I love the actor, and I, I thought that it was comically speaking done well but again i can understand why i do think there is some redemption though if you saw the one shot that was a part of the physical media release of that movie because the one shot reveals that that character was not the actual mandarin that the mandarin does exist in the universe and that the mandarin's actually ticked off at uh ben kingsley uh the, the character of ben kingsley uh played Trevor, the actor Trevor. Again, the name Trevor, too, was like, Ben Kingsley is playing a character named Trevor. And I think ultimately what sold it for me, what made it funny, was how he he acted. I, again, Ben Kingsley is such a great actor. He committed completely to the bit. So that's why I found it funny. But for anyone that hated it, I'm like, hey, you're completely right. As, as a comic fan, I can see why this would be very, very upsetting um, and why you would hate it. But I think that there is some some slight redemption with the fact that there is that one shot that does indicate and clear up the fact that that he does exist. Not that necessarily any of that's saved in the long run with what happens in the rest of the franchise, but uh, Shen Hong says, a real twist, he actually is the Mandarin. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Steven, what's your favorite Mexican food? I mean, I would probably say Mexican-inspired because I, I don't ever want to claim knowledge of of a culture's food when I don't honestly know it. Uh, but in general, probably tacos, quesadillas. Uh, Kili Chow, uh, Chang Che was the director of some of the Kung Fu movies of Shaw Brothers. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I have a Shaw, I actually have the Shaw Brothers Volume 1 set. I actually got that. Uh, it was sent to me while I was, I was still, I, at one point in time, I was getting a lot of Arrow video releases and such. And one of them I got was actually the Shaw Brothers Volume 1 set, I think. But I've never did. I've never dove into them because that's not really the genre that I've ever had a lot of interest in. All right, we are towards the end of the show, though. So let me just finish up the last comments. Rob D says, "I'm surprised they didn't announce Loki one for physical uh, release since season two comes out soon." Yeah, I again, but I think that also speaks to 
how few people are interested in it. <laughs> Harvey says, I double checked to make sure and I made a mistake. The third one, other than the Mandalorian and WandaVision, is Loki, not Falcon or Soldier. Yeah. Again, of those two, I feel like Loki might bring more eyeballs, but even then, I don't think that's going to be successful. Orange Hat says, Oh, nowadays, I do see the humor. I have mellowed since. Yeah, man. And I did see the one shot. Yeah, I think that definitely helps, but it's, again, I completely understand why you would feel anger and frustration over that, man. For sure. All right, we'll go ahead then and end things there. And again, thank you all for being here. Um, yes. Well, here's the thing. Rebel Moon is getting a... Isn't that going straight to Netflix, right? So to say flop is a very difficult thing in the age of, of media. Do I think it's going to do poorly? Do I think that it is not going to be a huge hit? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And it really comes down to the fact that Zack Snyder just really can't do much of anything, I think. Um I remember when his zombie show came out, or his zombie movie rather came out, and it was it got a lot of initial attention, and then when people actually watched it and thought about it, it was like, oh, this is really bad. <laughs> so I kind of hope it doesn't do well because I think that he should be cut off from from the creative space. I don't think he is adding anything to the creative space. I don't think he is he's adding much of a voice. I don't think his voice. And I know it sounds harsh, but I don't think his voice adds much value to the space of, of filmmaking um, at this point in time. I think he's gone off the rails so much as a style over substance performer that he has just, you know, he's lost it. He, he's lost it. But anyway, we're going to walk away from this stream tonight. Just as a reminder that Blue Beetle dropping 66% from Sunday to Monday. That's a very, very steep drop for that film. After a very low opening weekend, lower than what the initial projections were. And that means, of course, there was no indication of positive word of mouth, at the very least having any impact on the box office. And that means ultimately that Blue Beetle is looking to be yet another massive flop for the DCEU. And uh, since the movie isn't all that good, can't say that that's all that much of a bad thing. So anyway, thank you very much for watching, everybody. I don't think I have any ice cream, unfortunately, so I don't think I'll be able to, to have that. But I think I have like maybe some chocolate or... Maybe some Oreos. Maybe I can have some like Oreos, some chocolate milk. Mm, that sounds that sounds quite delicious. Maybe I'm be inspired enough to to go to the store real quick and try and buy some ice cream. I don't know, but that's gonna be it from me, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you all for watching. As a bit of a uh, reminder, so this Friday, of course, we have Friday Night Tights. I am going to be seeing uh, Gran Turismo on Thursday, so expect a review that night when I get back from seeing Gran Turismo and. Uh, Friday Night Tights, of course, it's going to be Friday evening. And then Saturday, no Saturday evening stream, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. I'll be talking with my chosen members. It'll be mostly focused on them, so it's not going to be the typical interactions like we do on these streams. But it's still a good time, still great conversations that, that are to be had there. So definitely check that out if you can. And after that, everything else should be pretty much back to normal. Just remember that as soon as we get into September, things will get a little bit more uh, uncertain. Uh, as, as baby girl is expected very soon, as far as, as, as time is concerned, uh, right now she's due towards the end of September. And as we all know, things can, can happen at any time, especially as you get into these latter and later parts. Um, and, and Hardwick, I, I should excommunicado for you saying that chocolate milk and pickles, anything with pickles. No, thank you. And Steven, I've seen your comment, brother. I've just chosen not to read it because I have no desire of, of eating that. So <laughs> appreciate the recommendation, man. But you don't, again, you don't have to spam something multiple times. Um, if I'm not reading something, there's probably a reason. So anyway, thank you all very much for being here tonight, everybody. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Have a wonderful rest of your evening 
And as always, God bless.